Welcome into the Invest Well Show. I'm your host, Michael Wall. We are in part two of obviously a two-part series talking about good debt versus bad debt. And this part, we're actually going to talk about uncovering different types of mortgages. There's a bunch of different types of loans that you can get out there. People are like, should I get an arm or a non-arm? I got arms already. So what does that look like? How's it going to affect me? What's the best? We're going to talk about it on this show. Again, joined with Ryan Brown. He's the VP of Cross Country Mortgage. And uh, we're going to talk today specifically about uncovering mortgages. What is the right one for you? You're not going to want to miss it today in the Invest Well Show. So here we are, Ryan, back in the saddle again. Listen, this guy, he took his tie off, did some jumping jacks, came back, went some, got some coffee. I'm just kidding. We're doing part two. I'm excited for it. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I want to start out with something that's a little fun here, right here. This to it. I don't know if she'll be able to zoom in on this or not, but this to it right here. Boop, there it is. You know what this is? This is a round to it. Now, I know many of you have said in life, hey, I'm going to go ahead and do that when I get around to it. I know I should do that, but I just haven't gotten around to it lately. Well, guess what we're going to do? We're going to give you the opportunity when you go to investwellshow.com to get your very own round to it. Why? Because we got to quit delaying in life. We got to quit putting things off. We got to quit saying, I'll do that later. I'll do that when I'll do that. No, stop it. The reason you are not as successful as you could be, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about in life in general, the person you want to be, is because you are where you are in life because of a series of choices you've made and a series of choices, quite honestly, that you have not made. The disciplines that you need to get you to where you need to go. So get off the couch, pay attention, dial in. If you're driving the car, don't jump out of the car, right? Stay in. If you're running, get focused. Maybe run a little bit faster while you're listening or watching this show. But we're going to talk this show about uncovering the different loan types. And this is so important because, Ryan, I'll tell you, there, you're in the mortgage industry. You've been in it for 20-plus years. You've seen a lot of big mistakes. You've probably made a lot of big mistakes in your lifetime. Yep. You've seen a lot of great successes, had a lot of great successes. You guys are servicing hundreds and hundreds of people every single year in the space. You've got a great team. And you're, you're really leading in a lot of ways. And so I think this is an important story for people to know because, you know, last show, part one, again, if you missed it, go back and watch it because you're going to, it's great information, good debt versus dad debt, bad debt, and really kind of like maximizing your debt stack, right? How can you get debt into a place that you can maximize it, get it to work for you, take advantage of tax-friendly opportunities? But now we're talking about mortgages, and I know this may seem mundane, and some of you obviously probably that are watching this, most of you watching this or listening to this already know what it is. But let's just start with the basics, the ABCs. What is a mortgage? A mortgage is a financial tool that allows you to purchase a piece of property yeah. and leverage it. So you're, you're, you're connecting with a bank, yep. a financial institution. You're borrowing money from them, and you're saying, I don't have all of the money to go buy this property, yep. so I'm going to go, and based on my current income, based on my credit, which is all dictated by, you know, how well you do in paying your bills and things like that on time, right? You're going to have some type of a score. And then based on that, you're going to go and get some type of a mortgage. Now, I know that sounds Mickey Mouse in elementary, but some of you that might be 25, 23, 22, 18, whatever might be listening to this. I've, I've heard of the term mortgage, but I don't really even know what it is, right? It's the idea of going and getting a loan for 
um, in particular in this case for a, for a home. So go ahead. I was going to say, you know, a mortgage is a beautiful thing because if you think about it, you're able to control a large asset mm-hmm. for as little as 3% down. On a conventional mm-hmm. loan, you can do literally 3% down as a first-time home buyer, and you can control a $100,000, $200,000, $400,000 asset. Mm. And as you know, with inflation, inflation's going up. Values are going up. In Palm Beach County, values went up 20% last year. Yeah. Nationwide, 14%. So just wow. think about it. You yeah. put 3% down, you're on, you, have, you own now a $400,000 asset. If that goes up 20%, yeah. now we're talking about building wealth. Yeah, and what's 3% of 400,000? Well, if you can do some math, three times four is, it's not 10, it's 12, right? So you put $12,000 down and then make payments, right? It's not like they're giving it to you for free. You got to make payments, but you control this $400,000 asset that hopefully is going to grow, right? Or maybe you rent it out. It covers the debt. I mean, there's so many things that you can do with that, but I want to jump into the idea of uncovering the different types of mortgages because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll tell you, Ryan, over my lifetime, right? And I'm not in your space. Okay. But in over my lifetime of just helping families with their wealth, we got a great team now over at wall, private wealth, us private wealth. Um, helping them kind of protect, grow, reduce taxes, all that. We always talk about uh, that side for younger entrepreneurial people that are making a lot of money um, as they're growing, et cetera. And then we see people on the other side that are moving into retirement that have kind of paid their debt off now and they're kind of moving into hangout fun time land, right, in a lot of ways. But I think along the journey, people are just there because they know Sally or Johnny and maybe Sally or Johnny at the local bank doesn't have all of the options really truly available to them that they can provide that's actually available out there in the mortgage industry. I mean, is that a correct assessment? Yeah. Banks are definitely going to be more conservative than a direct mortgage lender. Okay. So that's one thing to note, the difference between a bank. And let's just take a minute and talk about that. What, what really is the difference between a bank and a direct mortgage lender? So the interesting thing is like all mortgages at the end of the day, all conventional Fannie Mae and VA mortgages all get sold to the same spot. So whether you do a loan through us as a conventional mortgage, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, an online lender, at the end of the day, that note is going to go to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Hmm. So at the end of the day, the note- It all goes to them. goes to the same spot. Now, what the difference is, is that certain lenders have what's called overlays. So a bank is going to have certain overlays on top of the government guidelines to protect their interests or just to be more conservative or to create the flow of loans that they want. So maybe Mm -hmm. they'll say, listen, we only want 700 credit scores with 20% down versus a direct mortgage lender like us is we'll sell it to Fannie Mae based on their guidelines. We have no overlays on top of it. I see. So Fannie Mae says we'll buy a note for a first home buyer at 3% down with a 620 credit score. We can deliver that note to Fannie Mae, Mm. but Chase, Wells, all the other big banks will not. And they're all delivering all their notes or mortgages to Fannie Mae anyways, Mm -hmm. but they're just choosing which ones they want to deliver. Correct. Why do you think that is? Why do they put those overlays? Is it just because they make more money? I mean, how they do business? I mean, what, what, what is it, do you think, that causes them to have those differences? Because why would they not say, hey, just what you said, somebody with a 620 credit score, 3% down, whatever it may be, and they still, you can you know, cross country can still offload that mortgage. Why would they not do that? Well, because banks are, that's not their primary business. Their primary business is not mortgage lending. It's just a subset of what they do. It's maybe one, 2% of their overall income and portfolio. Okay. So because it's kind of like an extra, like, Hey, and we can do this too. 
they want to not miss out on maybe a little bit of revenue stream, but they don't want it to clog up the pipe. And by the way, that's a, that is a really, really good point that Ryan made there. You know, a lot of times when people look at banks, you know, banks have kind of um, evolved or conformed themselves or, you know, in, in such a way where they say, hey, you know, yeah, not only can we do checking and savings, which is traditionally their purpose, and but that we can also do mortgages and we can also do investments and we can also do this, and we can also do that. And, and traditionally, I have been a big believer of the fact that you cannot be a master of all trades, uh, you know, jack of all trades and a master of all trades. You have to be a master of a few things. And so that's one of the things I love about what you guys do is you're focused primarily on mortgages in particular and helping people find the right mortgage uh, and, and really shop it well. And so we've seen that over my history in the investment space also. Some of the things that are available that are out there in the marketplace to invest in uh, are not often found through the bank structure. It's not that banks are necessarily evil or bad. It's just they're designed primarily for checking and savings. And then they've added all of these other things on top of it, right? And so because of that, the consumer and the ease of just walking into the bank and seeing Sally every day and all those kinds of things has caused them to say, well, let's do this and this and this and this too. But as we're moving more into the digital world and have been for some time, consumers are starting to say, well, wait a minute. If I can go to different sources... You know, maybe like our financial firms or your uh, mortgage organization or whatever it may be and get a better opportunity or more opportunity in general. I think I want to take a look at that. So let's talk about what is available out there. So somebody connects with your team, Ryan, as cross country and they're in a place where you've been helping families for years Right. So, and, and they're saying, hey, I've heard of this arm loan or something to one arm. Is it like is it like odds on a horse race or what is that? Like, how does that work? Let's kind of talk about some of the basics of the different types of mortgages. Now that we know what a mortgage is, uh, let's talk about some of the different types of mortgages that are out there. Absolutely. So primarily there's two types of loans. There's fixed and adjustable rate mortgages. Mm -hmm. Over the last few years, primarily it's been fixed loans. So most clients will go with a 30-year fixed or a 15-year fixed. 15-year fixed have a much better interest rate than the 30-year fixed, typically between a half to three quarters better to rate on a 15-year. But obviously the payment's much higher because you're amortizing over 15. The ARM loans, those are primarily right now in the jumbo space. So that'd be any loan above 647,000. That's where you Why can, do they call that a jumbo? That's the that's the maximum loan limit that Fannie Mae will purchase a note at. So okay. a conventional note can go up to that number. Mm-hmm. Above that, it's considered jumbo. What does jumbo mean? It just means that the loan's getting sold to a Wall Street bank, a hedge fund. It's going to be held in portfolio or in some pension fund somewhere. Okay. It's not getting sold to the government agencies. I see. So let me ask you this, just to kind of clarify there. So does the first 600 and whatever thousand, is that get sold to Fannie? And then the rest, the whole loan goes somewhere else. Yep. If you do a six hundred and forty-eight thousand dollar loan, then that has to go with a jumbo lender. So it's a whole different set of guidelines, underwriting criteria. It's a whole different process. So, so quick side note: if you're in a place where you're doing, we talked earlier about how Fannie buys all the loans. Anyways, if if you got a mortgage over six hundred, whatever, do you feel like there's still a lot of options today that that are available out there that banks are not offering? Absolutely. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, we can actually deliver notes to some of the large banks in Wall Street huh. on a bulk basis. But okay. but we can also literally sell to probably 20 different lenders that will purchase these notes. So we originate, we close, we fund, 
And then post-closing, usually 30 days after closing, we deliver that note or we'll sell that note. It could go to a pension fund or insurance agency. But whoever's based on that scenario that the client wants mm -hmm. will provide the best interest rate at the best terms based on their scenario. So if you just went to your banker, they're only going to be able to provide you one scenario. Yeah, whatever that bank is offering. That's right. Whatever Wells or Merrill or whoever is offering, right? Yep. And you guys are shopping it. Yep. Right? So you're saying it doesn't really matter what what en ending entity we use. We're going to shop the, the loan so we can get the best value. That's right. And, and the process with a direct mortgage lender is going to be much faster. We just had a client that was with one of the private client banks. Yeah. And they were under contract. The process was taking them 45 days just to get a commitment. He had wow. $2 million with them. He called us. We literally closed him in two weeks. Wow. And he pulled all of his money from that private client bank. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, I can't handle it. Can't handle it anymore. Yeah, it's big, stuffy. It's 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 wonky. It's, yeah, I get it. I mean, we're seeing that a lot, too, on the financial side. So let's go back to what he started with. And I don't want to kind of like muddy the waters. We chased a couple rabbit trails. But so the, so the two types of loans, the fixed and the arm, not your arm on your body, but adjustable rate mortgage. Um, so the fixed primarily, let's just simple definition, a fixed loan means what? It means that the interest rate will be fixed over the entire term of the loan. So yeah. the loan is going to amortize, so it'll be paid down over 15 years or 30 years. Those are the two primary loans that people will get. So fixed rate is very much uh, in, in a way where the r interest rate that you're paying, whether it's 3%, 3.5%, 3.75%, 4%, whatever it is, that interest rate is going to be the same for 15 years or 30 years, however, whatever you signed up with, it's not going to change. Is that right? That's right. Okay. And to talk about why that's such a beautiful thing, yep. they just posted the numbers for, for Palm Beach Gardens, where we're at right now. Yep. For Palm Beach Gardens, rent increased 52% year over year. 52%. Wow. Wow. So if you're a renter right now, you're getting hammered in yeah. all parts of the country. Yeah. If you own a home and you're in a fixed rate loan, the only two things that can change would be tax and insurance. Yeah. Your mortgage payment's not gonna change. Yeah. And in Florida, your taxes are capped at 3% per year. Wow. Insurance can only go up so much. So that's why renting versus owning is such a big thing. Yeah, so at the end of the day, if somebody's in a place where you're listening to this or you're watching this and you're saying, gosh, you know, my rent just went from 2,000 a month to 4,000 a month, right? I'm like, man, this is crazy. And I, but I don't have a lot of money. I'm just kind of starting out. My credit score is decent. I got a job. I got some income. I don't think I can buy a home. Maybe the answer is you actually can, right? We just find something and there's so many opportunities out there. And so this is something where we wanted to kind of bring this to light because now you're in a place where what if you could keep your rent, quote unquote, or your monthly outlay instead of it going from two to 4,000 a month, maybe you could make it 3,000 a month. Yep. And you're in a place where you're kind of fixing that cost, which is huge long term. All right. So we talked about the fixed mortgage and the fixed rate. Let's talk about the arm, the adjustable rate mortgage. What is the purpose of that? Why was that created technically? And, and really, how is that used? So as, as rates go up and, and, and different things happen within the financial markets, arms will become more attractive. And we're probably going into that type of a market now where mm -hmm. you'll see fixed rate loans starting to go up and you'll see the adjustable rate mortgages starting to come down a little bit. Mm. But so it's like a seesaw. It's like a seesaw. Yep. So, I mean, over the past few years, they've been about the same. So it didn't really make sense for anybody to go into an arm. But we might be going into an environment where arms might have a big enough spread where it makes sense. So mm -hmm. arms primarily are fixed for five, seven, 10 years, okay. meaning that your rate is fixed for that five, seven or 10 year period. After that, it will adjust based on the market. 
Okay. So that could be based on the, the, the treasury or the LIBOR plus a margin. Okay. There are certain caps and protections in place. So, you know, it, if your rate was say 4%, it can't just go to 10% overnight. Yeah. You know, usually they have a cap of 2% and then 5% maximum over the life of the loan. Okay. So let's talk about that real quick, because that's going to, that's when it, you know, can kind of get a little cloudy for people. Mm -hmm. And I think part of this process is making sure that, you know, when, when you jump into something, you understand, well, maybe what might be the best option. So let's talk about right now. So right now, as we are in the end of February, 2022, you might be watching this later on. I don't know. So you can, we can equate according, but um, interest rates are relatively low. So right now, where where are rates at for a, a 30 and a 15 year mortgage, just roughly? So 15 year has now gone up to around mid threes. So maybe three and a half, somewhere in that nature. Yep. And then 30 year fixed, you're probably 399, four and a quarter, somewhere in. So, somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. So, so that being the case then, Ryan, so if somebody says, you know what, I think I might want to get an arm right now. Would that be advantageous today at, the, at that rate number or maybe not? So if you can get an adjustable rate mortgage, maybe that was in the twos. Okay. But it all depends on the situation. So an adjustable rate mortgage is never good for a first-time home buyer. It's never okay. good for somebody who doesn't have a lot of reserves because okay. there's risk associated with it. So if the rate ends up going up over time and you don't have a lot of reserves, or you don't have a big equity position, I you know, you should never go into that because it's just too much risk. And when you say reserves, you're talking about cash on hand. Cash on hand, reserve funds you could tap into. So if the right, rates went up. whatever. Right. Because okay. things happen in life, right? So yeah. five years down the road, all of a sudden your rate goes from a four to a six percent. Yeah. And you lost your job. Yeah. Well, and you have no money in the bank. Well, yeah. that's a that's a, a disaster. Bad situation. Right. Okay. So so arm maybe if you're looking at an arm, that's maybe for we'll call it the the more studious uh, buyer, yep. right? And where you want to be in a place where you got some cash reserves, or maybe you have uh, an income flow or, or a business structure where you feel really good about the fact that I always thought of, uh, you know, and, and maybe bring this into that conversation. I always thought of arm, an arm, Ryan, as being saying, okay, I'm going to get a 7-1 arm or a 10-1 arm, getting the lowest rate possible, knowing that for that seven years that that rate is locked. Well, for that 10 years, that rate is locked. So I'm going to get a, a much lower rate, right? Because knowing that that rate can change in seven years, the rate can change in 10 years, whereas the fixed rate for 15 years isn't going to change for 15 years. So 30 years isn't going to change. So my mindset was always like, hey, if I think that there's a high probability, so let's just carve out an example. Let's say you buy a, a $700,000 house, right? And you're in a place where you're paying your mortgage, but you feel pretty confident as your income's growing, as opportunities there, that you can put, you know, call it $70,000 a year in addition down on your home, knowing that technically in that scenario, 10 years, you'll be paid off, right? Yep. Now, you may not be able to do that, right? That's why I said for kind of the more studious person, investor, whatever it may be, my thinking was always like, okay, if that's potentially the possibility, maybe a 10-1 is a good idea. Mm -hmm. yep. is it, am I in the right lane there thinking? Yeah, but, but I think that's a good idea, it, but again, you know, it has to be based on the overall goals yeah, and making sure they have good reserves. And this is, you know, if it's part of that overall financial plan where they're yeah. like, listen, the Delta on this is large enough. It's maybe it's 1%, maybe it's 2% over the fixed. Then I can take that money. I can invest it and I can make more money in the markets than, you know, by paying interest on it. So if you don't need the protection of the fixed, then, then yeah, it would be a good option. But I would say for the majority of people, Fix is probably better. Fix is the better route. Okay. And I just want to clarify one thing. When you said the Delta on this, most people think when they think of Delta, they think of flying to the Bahamas <laughs> or California or Tennessee. So what is Delta? 
for those that are listening out the, there? The spread between an arm versus a fix. So okay. for an example, let's just say the 30-year fix is at 4%, and let's just say a 5-1 arm was at 3.75. Well, yeah. it wouldn't make sense for a quarter percent to do an arm. Yeah. But if the 5-1 arm is maybe at 2.75, and you're like, wow, that's a you know, it's a pretty percent, good rate. a quarter, right. eh, maybe it makes sense. Again, okay. if all the other check boxes are there. Yeah. Reserves. Right. Everything else. Yep. So so let's kind of let's kind of simplify this for you as you're hearing it. Um, what I'm hearing Ryan say in a lot of ways is if you're in a place that you have cash reserves um, and you're in a you're in a pretty good financial situation, uh, there's nothing wrong with taking on some debt for an for an appreciating asset, which is a home, right, that you think is probably going to grow or maybe that you want to rent out or whatever it may be. Obviously, make sure you're in a market that has people moving to it. I mean, obviously, in areas in Florida, um, even in uh, other parts of the country, there's there's areas where people are moving in. That's probably a good there's no safe bet, but a safer bet, right? Where you know people are moving here. There's demand. There's desire for people to come. I personally, this is just me personally, probably would not be going to New York or California to buy rental properties uh, to hope that those assets appreciate because people are actually leaving those areas and coming to other other areas. Now, maybe that, that movement shifts as the political scheme shifts and things, I don't know. But what I hear Ryan saying is, is if you are in a place where you're more, you're more of an astute investor and you have some cash reserves uh, and you feel like you can, you know, for the most part, probably pay down that property pretty well, uh, maybe doing a 5-1 or a 7-1 or a 10-1 is good as long as the spread, which is the difference of the mortgage, right, interest on an arm. Let's say the mortgage interest is, you know, 2.5% and on a 15-year on a fixed, it's 5%. Well, that may be something where you want to look at that. But for most of you out there, for most of you out there that don't have strong cash reserves or decent cash reserves, it's probably a good idea to take advantage of a 15-year fixed or a 30-year fixed and start and really kind of walk your mind around something that you know is going to be a consistent monthly number, taking you out of the rental space, if you're in that, by the way, right now, where, you're, where your numbers monthly are going to jump and, and potentially get hijacked by increased costs and things like that. And so that's kind of what I'm hearing you saying. Anything you want to add to that, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I would say one thing that we're seeing a lot, especially down here in South Florida, is a lot of people are moving down here and paying cash for real estate. Yeah. Value, yeah. Values are very high, but, but you can tell when somebody has a financial coach or a financial advisor because they're advising them to get a mortgage because rates are still low. So if you think about it, instead of buying a house for $2 million cash, maybe what they'll do is they'll get a 50% note or a 70% note, maybe go with an arm because they have the cash to pay it anyway, Yeah. get the lowest rate of interest. Yep. So maybe they're paying 25 or 3% on the note, but their advisor's getting them 10% in the market. Yeah. They're making that spread on millions of dollars. Yeah. That adds up. Yeah, it does add up. And even, you know, one of the things that we see kind of offside on some of the financial companies that we have different hat here now for a minute, but you know, we see a lot of times that being the case because we're in a place where it may not even be in the market if you want to take those ebbs and flows, but could be private equity, it could be some other direct real estate investments where, you know, you're literally getting a seven or eight or nine or ten percent a year distribution potentially, depending on the deal. And that's more than paying your payment and your wealth is still growing and you have some opportunity. And so, yeah, sometimes that can make a lot of sense. So if you are a wealthier investor, we want to talk to both sides of the aisle, right? You want to make sure that you're in a place where you're thinking about that. So very, very important. You want to look at all your options there and, and be paying attention. Take that dead cash and use it to your advantage to grow your wealth. 
uh, instead of just parking it in a home that is really, maybe it's appreciating it a little bit more, maybe it won't appreciate a little bit more, you know, uh, but you're using it to your advantage. Ryan, any last words that you want to share? I would just say, you know, on that note too, what we're seeing a lot of people doing instead of paying cash mm-hmm. or putting a large down payment down is they're conserving their cash and either investing it like we talked about or mm-hmm. purchasing other real estate with it. Yeah. Yeah. So maximize your overall story. Well, Ryan, thanks for taking a few moments in part two of the series, sharing some great information for everybody. Appreciate it. No, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Love it. Well, listen, as always, it's about the idea of understanding and then making good decisions. I believe that many of you out there, most of you out there with the right information, if you're armed with the right information, you can make a good decision. And so my goal with this show is not only to share things on the financial side to help you kind of wake up and see things from a different light, be prepared financially, as I did a segment just a little bit ago on protecting your wealth from a market crash, three-part series, great series. If you missed that, Go check it out. It's on investwellshow.com. But the goal here is to really be in a place where we can share some thoughts and ideas that maybe are a little bit different than you're hearing day to day. My challenge to you is to slow your pace of life down. Don't just go from your job to your car where you're listening to music or listening to this stuff or maybe even listen to a a show of some sort or whatever, political, all this political noise that we're going to start to hear more and more and more, right? And then you go home and you watch your favorite Netflix or you turn this on or turn... You're literally in a place where your mind does not have the capacity or the ability to rest and actually think about what you're doing in life. You're You're just literally going through life. You're what's called, Zig called a wandering generality instead of a meaningful specific. I need you to really think about your life, and I'm challenging you really to think about your life and what you're doing and the decisions that you're making. What we've just shared is just some crucial information on this part one and part two series about your debt and mortgages and how to do it well. But nothing's going to change unless you make a change. You know, Ryan is, and his team really across countries has done a good job over the years of, of helping many, 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 many thousands of families alter and improve their situation. So if you got questions about that, go check them out at Cross Country Mortgage, right? He's there right here in Palm Beach Gardens. Great crew, great team. If you got questions about what to do on, on your wealth in general, there's resources on this page as well, on the Invest Well Show page that you can find. So if you're listening to this via podcast, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're watching this on Facebook, if you're, you know, found us directly at investwellshow.com, that's the hub. That's where you want to go to find uh, some of the resources to help you get to where you need to go. But that's only going to happen if you press pause in life take a minute get your white sheet of paper out that i talk about from time to time and jot the things down that you need to improve get better at and change in your life nothing changes without change as always i encourage you to share this show with friends or family that you know needs to hear this Listen, the way we change our country is by changing our intake and making better decisions as a whole. That starts with you caring about your neighbor and friend and family member and saying, you need to listen to this show. And we need to make sure we all have mortgages. We need to make sure that we get the right one (laughs) and we're doing the right thing and we're making the right decisions. And that's why we wanted to share this. So take a minute and share it socially, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you are, share this with someone that needs to hear it. And as always, join us at investwellshow.com. My goal is for you to live on purpose so you can live with purpose. Be blessed. Have a great day. 
Keep in mind, the information shared on this show is not to be considered investment advisory advice. For specific recommendations based on your situation, make sure you reach out to a professional, whether it be financial, accounting, tax, attorney, or whatever you may need to help you find the information necessary to make good decisions.